Broadcasting from the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado, it's time for Kick Set with USA Swimming, bringing you interviews with athletes, coaches, and experts from age group swimming to the national and Olympic teams. Thanks for joining us for Kick Set. I am your host for today, Dan McCarthy. Today's guest is Allison Schmidt. Allison has been one of my favorite athletes to work with since what turned out to be both of our first international trips, the 2007 Junior Pan Pacific Championships in Hawaii. Allison is one of our most well-known athletes because of her swimming accomplishments and advocacy work out of the pool. Allison has won a medal at the last three Olympic Games, garnering eight in all. At the London Games in 2012, she broke the American and Olympic record in the 200-meter freestyle and is a member of the 4x200 free relay. Allison also anchored the victorious USA medley relay, which set a new world record. In 2015, Allison went public with her battle against depression and has become a strong advocate for mental health care since. Allison has been so gracious to give us her time today and talk about what she has been up to and what the future might hold. How are you, Allison? I'm great. Great to talk to you. So let me back up a little bit and talk a little bit more about this uh, Junior Pan Pacific Championship team thing we were on. Okay. So it's uh, your first international competition. I know I just went ahead and introduced you that way, but that was the first one, correct? Correct. Yep, okay. that was my first taste of get, having the privilege to wear the USA cap. And we stayed at a resort in Honolulu, Hawaii, right? Uh, yeah, um, in Maui. Maui, okay. Yes. So, and that was pretty sweet. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. I remember that we had a tsunami war- warning one of the nights. And we were like, great. The next, the next day's news caption is going to say U.S. swim team drowned. <laughs> but it was gorgeous. We had no weather issues. Um, I mean, till, to this day, I still talk about how awesome that trip was. And the food. Oh, my God. The pineapple. Mm-hmm. I've never had pineapple so good in my life. <laughs> and it's, I was going back and looking at the roster a little bit. That was an amazing team. If you look at where a lot of those athletes went on to um, yourself, Alyssa Anderson was on that team. Yeah. Neil Adams. Yep. Your good friend, Felicia Lee. Yep. Michael uh, Lawrence. Tyler Clary. Tyler Clary. Uh, Lars Sogar. And yep. uh, Leah Smith's coach, Corey Chitwood, was on that team. Yeah. Too. Actually, I just saw Corey in Mesa. Um, last weekend and we were talking about the junior team trip because to <laughs> me I still see Corey as the curly haired blonde kid yep. um and I was mentioned that and he was like yeah my hair is short now I, if I let it grow out it's curly but no one really knows me as that anymore <laughs> yeah and it was like a really powerful backstroke combo him and Matt Thompson yes yep so um now the that was one of those weird years, the year before the Olympics is always like that for us, that all of our international teams for the summer had already been selected. So the Pan Am team was taken, uh, World Championships, WUGS, everything was selected. So that was, you know, your kind of breakout meet. But then you disappear until Olympic trials, kind of. 
Yeah, I actually did qualify for the Pan American team in 2007 as a relay alternate. Um, but shortly before the trip, uh, had a call from Schubert asking if I would rather go um, to Chiba, Japan in 2007, the summer of 2007. Right. Uh, in the present, I think it was a Grand Prix meet, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, to represent the U.S. there, um, where I could swim more events rather than having the possibility of maybe being on the morning relay at Pan Am's. Right. And after talking with him and uh, Bob, uh, we decided that that was going to be the best option for me. That turned out to be a great trip. I remember we set a qualifying time to go to Japan and had way more athletes qualify for it than we ever thought we're going to. Yeah, it was also, I mean, that going to Japan was a great experience. It was, again, there was Alyssa Anderson, Matt Thompson, Kristen Shakora. There were a lot of young athletes on that team. Um, and it was, I mean, it was just a fun exposure and getting a taste of my first meet representing the U.S. out of the country. All right, so fast forward to 2008. You go to trials and you make the Beijing team in the 200 free and the four by 200 free relay. Were those your expectations? Far from. <laughs> I had. <laughs> I mean, going into trials, I don't know if anyone had expectations for me, but I had no idea what to expect. Um, I love racing, and I knew. I mean, I guess I kind of knew that top six may be available or maybe like up there uh i knew it was gonna be really difficult but i never really thought of it like that um right. i just was going in with okay here's trials what is this um let's just swim see what happens was it easier because you were unknown quote unquote unknown um i think my uh attitude going into it um like i said i had no idea what to expect. I had not really any expectations for myself. Um, of course, yeah, when you go to Olympic trials, you say, yeah, I want to make the Olympic team. But, right. I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of people at Olympic trials and less than 100 people are making the team. Um, so it wasn't a, a life or death situation for me. I just went in knowing that, knowing that it was going to be a great experience. Uh, it was going to be a great journey. And I was going to race just like I had every other time before. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of switch gears here a little bit. So mental health is a, is a very serious topic. And I think maybe those that are listening right now might be starting to get the feel. But if they don't know you very well, you're pretty funny, very charming. And I've always said that you have the best jokes um, of all the athletes that have had the opportunity to come across in these years. Um, but you've been struggling with depression since you were 17, 18, maybe earlier, maybe later. I'm not quite completely clear on, you know, how you've defined it as you've gone through it. Um, so can, I mean, can you just tell me a little bit about that the onset, the realization, you know, the ups and downs, just, you know, basic tutorial on, you know, how Allison discovered that she had depression and then 
you know, kept it to herself, did something with it. Just get me started here. Okay, I appreciate that. I mean, a lot of people tell me I don't have good jokes. I try, but I don't really know which way they go. Sometimes I laugh harder than the person I'm telling it to. Or I laugh before the punchline happens. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think I'm not really sure if I can pinpoint um, the exact time or exact onset. I can go back to after 2012 when I was... 22 years old I want to say mm-hmm. um and I was I came back from London um I had just like 2008 making the team uh in 2012 I had exceeded expectations um that I had for myself and I think uh expectations that the world must may have had for me um I came back to the states um hoping to be the same exact person. Um, I was going back to finish my senior year at University of Georgia, and things kind of changed. I wasn't prepared for it. I okay. was known as Allison Schmidt this summer. There are people that would talk about me in the streets, uh, whisper about me, like, there's Allison Schmidt, the gold medalist. And I'm like, I can hear you. I'm human. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> um, but I kind of, instead of... If I would have said how I felt, I, I thought that was complaining. I thought that was me being ungrateful. Um, because, yeah, I was very grateful for all the support I've had. Um, everything I've had in my life. I know that I'm very privileged. Um, I've had a great upbringing, great school, great friends, great family, um, a thousand opportunities um, to succeed. I've had great successes. So why should I be complaining? Um, I know that there's other people out there that have not had these opportunities, um, do not have these amenities that I have. So why should I be complaining? I should be helping out these other people. Hmm. So um, you kept it to yourself. Yes. So I compared uh, myself to others, which right there is – I can look back and say that's a no-no to compare yourself to anyone uh, in general. Um, And then to isolate. I know that I isolated uh, and kept that to myself. And that was detrimental. Um, Why is keeping it to yourself a bad idea? Um, You dig yourself into a hole. Um, I think that, I mean, we're human. We all overthink things. Um, <laughs> so for me, I it, you start thinking things that aren't reality. Um, there's times when you start thinking, this person doesn't like me. Uh, this world will be better if I'm not in it. Um, I have no support. And if you step back um, out of your body, I guess, uh, and look at the outside, there's so many people out there that love you. There's so many people that out there that want to help you, but life kind of gets in the way. Um, I mean, life is very fast paced as all of us know. Um, sometimes it's hard to, for people to step back and let them know that they appreciate you or to lend a helping hand. Um, and it's even harder when the person that needs that helping hand keeps it in um, and doesn't express that they need help. 
Okay. So the worst case scenarios become the more possible scenarios when somebody keeps it to themselves. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, was there a, a moment or was it a progression? How did you begin addressing your depression and turn this around? And maybe turn this around is the wrong way to say it because, you know, it's always present. But how did you uh, flip? How did you deal with it? Um, I, I guess it, I guess you could phrase it as um, coping with it. Um, okay. And finding figuring out coping skills within your um, self and with, I mean, professional help that allows you to understand yourself better, to be more vulnerable, um, to have the courage to ask for help. And for me, um, it kind of, it took a while. It took until January of 2015 uh, for me. So I, I mean, that's when I'm, what, 24 yeah. almost 25 years old um and i'm probably there are times that i probably acted like a three-year-old uh <laughs> there are times that i didn't like how i was acting and i knew i didn't like to be around myself that way why would anyone else be want to be around me um i had thoughts of suicide um i and it scared me sure but at the same, same time i didn't know what to do i didn't know how to ask for help. I knew I needed help. I just didn't know how to ask. Um, but at the, um, a few weeks later at the, um, the Austin Grand Prix, um, it was the first time, uh, I was at a swim meet and didn't want to be there. Um, of course we go through times when you don't want to be at practice. Uh, practice sucks actually. (laughs) There's a lot of times that practice sucks. Um, but for me, um, in swimming, I love, the friendships, uh, the memories, and the competitions. I love racing. Uh, at that Grand Prix, I did not want to be there. And it was apparent. It was apparent to those closest to me. It was apparent to Bob, to Keenan, to Michael, who was um, also uh, spectating at the meet. Um, that I, was the uh, Austin Grand Prix that maybe had like 100 people there too? Yes, yeah. So that, that just like added to it? Yes. Yep. And there was, I mean, I remember doing the 400 in prelims. I had a great hundred. I had a hundred in the 400 double and in the 400, I remember thinking, Oh, I don't want to swim this tonight. I'm going to go slow. Um, so of course I made the D final, um, a final in the hundred free D final in the 400 free. And I'm like, yes, I get to scratch. I'm in a final. <laughs> I can scratch. Um, nope. I still had to swim that 400. <laughs> So I was the first event of the meet and the last event. Um, but they, I mean, Mike, um, after the race, after the 200 F finals, um, you could tell I took out this first 200 and just kind of gave up. Um, I came, walked out of the pool, was expecting to get yelled at, um, honestly. I was like, okay, what's Bob going to say this time? Um, and I was kind of in my head, like, thinking of, like, things I could say to, like, fight back. Right. Um. Uh, kind of futuristic in what was going to happen. Um, and the first person I see is Michael and he stops me and just says, Hey, I could tell you didn't try in that. Um, I know something's up. Um, in, in the meantime, I had been taking him to practice. Um, we had been driving to practice together and he said, I know something's up. If there's anything I can do, let me know. 
um, if I can help you or if I can find someone to help to help you. And on that pool deck, I immediately started crying. Uh, and I was crying for the next two and a half hours talking to Bob, Keenan, and Michael. Um, okay. And kind of just, like, let everything out. Okay. Um, but I, this was coming off of the 2012 games, which was by far and away your most successful achievement as a swimmer at that point in your career. But it coincided with this, this, I guess the strongest feelings of depression that you had. So you're saying that very successful people can be depressed also. For sure. I, I love um, comparing like when I talk to high schoolers or anyone really, I'm like, People look at people on TV, uh, whether it's an athlete, an actress, whoever it is on TV, and they're like, oh, I want that. That's awesome. That's so cool. I want that. But in reality, um, what's on TV is the highlighted um, – This, it's about 30 seconds out of the 24 hours or however long. Um, yeah. It's a clip. Um, and they don't see what's beneath that surface, um, that – beneath that surface who you're watching on tv is a human um has their ups and downs just like you every day so recently i've found it very interesting a lot of high profile athletes have been coming forward to talk about uh, depression and anxiety so in your opinion this really helps the cause or doesn't help the cause oh i think um it completely helps the cause. I think it really um, opens up a sensitive topic and it creates a better environment for talking about mental health. Um, I feel like that's where we need to um, get to. And I know that there's a lot more on this journey of uh, destigmatizing the negativity around mental health. But I feel like we've opening the conversation, um, having a, uh, People share um, allows other people to um, to add to the conversation and understand that you're not crazy or you're not weird for struggling with depression, anxiety, or any other mental health issue. Um, so there's, you know, I, I listened and read a number of things and getting ready here. And so there's articles out there by DeMar DeRozan. Kevin Love wrote a really good article, I thought. Uh, Brandon Marshall has been very vocal. Joey Votto was vocal early, I think, in 2009. You, Michael, uh, to name a few. Um, I found Kevin Love's story really interesting. So if you didn't read it, he had a, a panic attack in the middle of a game. And he had to leave the game because he thought, you know, something was wrong with his heart. And eventually, I guess they found out that his panic attack was triggered by the grief he had never addressed from his grandmother's death. And that was the source of depression that manifested itself um, in this game with this anxiety attack. Um, that, so he didn't suffer an anxiety attack because he was nervous about being in a game. It was something that happens in his personal life and it manifested itself during a competition. This this is your opportunity to kind of teach me and teach the people that you know download this podcast. But that is probably, and I know you said you don't like to to 
compare people. But that sounds to me like for athletes, that would be more normal that their athletic event is not the cause of their depression and anxiety, but kind of like the life surrounding them. Oh, I completely agree. And I, I mean, I read that story. I thought it was an amazing story. I um, give all those guys, I give Kevin Love and all those guys um, so much credit for speaking up. Um, I love reading the new um, Players' Tribunes uh, and the other articles that are out. Um, I think that, yeah, like I said before, I think that opens, creates a better environment for allowing everyone to talk about mental health. Um, And I think it was in Kevin's story that, I mean, uh, mental illnesses don't just hit athletes. Mental illnesses hit everyone. Hmm. Um, and I think that is a very important uh, part of the message that it can hit everyone, no matter who you are, no matter if you are a age group swimmer, no matter if you are an Olympian, no matter if you're a business person, if um, you're unemployed, it can hit anyone at any time. It does not discriminate um, based on gender, race, um income anything um so just understanding that everyone is human uh you don't under you don't know what other people are going through uh so be kind have blend (laughs) out that um that helping i've heard you talk before and you've talked about the importance about being vulnerable in order to get help what does that mean for me of uh being vulnerable is having the strength to talk about um, unwanted or hard conversations um, to talk about your feelings and allow yourself to ask for help and I know that it's terrifying um, I can speak from personal experience that's terrifying but I also can speak from experience that it's truly rewarding um, I know that it was never easy to be vulnerable but I guess I've train myself to kind of be vulnerable to those close to me um it's kind of i mean it's a lot of weight off my shoulder it allows me to be me to be more free and ultimately opens doors for me that i didn't even know existed okay um so whenever you decided to be vulnerable and you went to to talk to people uh and to to open yourself up I know that you're very, very close with your friends. You're really, really proud of your family. Um, and you're really attached to the University of Georgia. How did you talk to or use all or one of these people or places to help you? Um, I have a, yes, I have a soft spot in my heart for all my friends, <laughs> uh, my family. And yeah, University of Georgia, I think that all of them helped me through my tough times and they've all been able to share um, the happiness and the successes that I've gone through. Um, I think that understanding for me, uh, it was understanding that we're all human and we all have emotions of all sorts. Um, So I know that some see vulnerability as weakness, but I believe it shows your courage and your strength. And I, understand that a lot of us i mean from a young age we've been a part of a team um Mm -hmm. no matter what kind of team it was 
and we're taught to push through, uh, especially in the sport of swimming. Um, I mean, no one's swimming our laps for us. Uh, no one's training for us. Um, no one can, on that last 25 when we're hurting, no one can jump in and finish it for us. So we're taught to push through, and then we'll persevere. But for me, I've understood that life is a much bigger game um, than that. And the people in our life, for me, like my friends, my family, um, all my support staff, um, my the university, everyone from University of Georgia, um, now currently at Arizona State, I, those are my teams. Right. Uh, that's who has my back no matter what. That's who I can turn to. That's who I can be vulnerable. That's who has my best interest in heart. Um, and at the same time, I have their best interest in heart, and I know we have a mutual understanding that I can come to you, and you can also come to me, no matter what time, what the situation is, I can help you out. So I think I know the answer to this now after listening to you, um, but I'm going to ask it anyways. You've had tons of help, tons of resources because you went and basically asked for it or opened yourself up. What's the best thing someone did to help you once you made yourself vulnerable? Um, well, first of all, I would say that it, I kind of got pushed in the direction of opening up. <laughs> I, Fair it enough. It's not easy to open up, but I got more pushed in the direction. Um, yes, I did accept that I do need help, and here it is for me. So I did allow myself to be vulnerable. Um, but the best thing someone um, has done is been there for me yeah. uh, and there for support, um, whether it is my friends or my family or um, a professional uh, psychologist, whatever it is, um, allowing, uh, like having that relationship where you can go and talk to them, where you can be vulnerable, where you, that you know that they're listening. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're talking back, um, but just letting that off your chest. And for me, letting it off my chest, I mean, there's still times I live with Michael and Nicole, um, and there's times when I come back um, from a day, um, whether it's school, swimming, or whatever it is, and I just talk. Mm. Um, <laughs> I just talk for 15 minutes straight. And at the end of it, they're like, okay. They answer. They have their input sometimes. And sometimes they just say, is there anything else? Um, and just allowing them myself and having them allow myself to like let that off my chest has really helped out um so and you can make this comical if you want or you can deal with it seriously but are there really any really bad ideas for dealing with somebody with depression or anxiety was there any time somebody was really trying to be helpful but what their idea of helpful was and what actually is helpful just didn't jive <laughs> um, no names please <laughs> I mean, like I said, there's I've had great support, and yes, there are times when I've had great support, and it probably hasn't worked out in the best. Um, I know they had great intentions, um, but for me, it's different for every person. Um, and for talking about mental health, um, talking about anxiety, depression, it's not something that is a quick fix. It's not something that you go to see a psychologist and it's fixed. It's not 
looking up Pinterest quotes, looking up positive <laughs> quotes about life. Um, it's something that bigger than that, that yes, you're going to have to get professional help. Yes. You're going to have to address all the situations. Um, but for me, for me, I can say that there, I love my support group and I'm very grateful for it, but there are some people in my support group that I don't talk to, to don't, I'm not talking about mental health with, I'm not really talking about my feelings with, does that mean I don't love them? Uh, does that mean that they don't love me or they don't care about me? Definitely not. Um, but I just know that there's some people that I feel understand it better and okay. can help me in better ways. So there's different people in my support group that I go to for different situations and they're all very vital. Um, okay. Not one is less than the other, but it's just that you're going to find different people are going to help you in different ways, just like you're going to help other people in different ways. All right. So you uh, hopped back into competition last month at the uh, Mesa Pro Swim Series. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> are, are we calling it a comeback or was it just a swim? <laughs> um, well, I guess I never really left. No, I you didn't. I never really the retirement papers. <laughs> Um, but yeah, after 16, I was done. Mm -hmm. I had, I mean, I was counting down the days till when I was done swimming. <laughs> um, I mean, there were, pra I would be screaming in practice. Uh, this is my last December 28th practice, or <laughs> this is the last time I'm ever doing this set in my life. And here I am again. Um, so yeah, I guess that, I mean, I'm having fun with it. I'm right. Mental health, uh, going to school, that's my number one. Um, but, I mean, swimming, it was kind of just an opportunity that was laying there. Um, it was, I mean, swimming with the ASU team, um, I got in just the same shape. Um, I was like, well, what am I doing? I'm getting bored just going to class. Um, let me just get in shape um, with swimming. And for some reason, swimming came to mind don't ask me how because i was after 16 i was done i didn't even want to get back in the water um but i got back in and it, just swimming with the team and having a new perspective and uh i mean the team's awesome they really rejuvenated uh the love for the sport if this this hopping back in the pool i mean the time you did was good enough to you know, be top three at the event. Um, if you were seriously competing again, do you feel like you're actually uh, in a better place or that you have more tools in your toolbox now because of your realizations and advocacy work that you've been uh, doing? Completely. Um, and I think that toolbox is always open and always, um, always open to, for, more tools for more amenities <laughs> i think that there's things that i mean we can never stop growing um and i've really learned that in the past few years and i think i understand myself more but hopefully in a few years i'll understand myself even more um and for me um i guess in 2016 yes i was in a great spot um i but in the back of my mind, I was, I had fear. Okay. Um, there was fear that from the previous three years, I had not made a national team. Um, 
I had failed to even qualify for finals, um, getting ninth over and over at trials. Um, so, of course, that's in the back of my mind, um, and it's scary. Hmm. Um, and I think that, I mean, Bob kind of put it in a good term, saying I'm par- I was paralyzed by fear. Um, of course, I didn't want to be fearful. Um, it just happened, um, and I I don't know if I was prepared for that. So, was I happy in 2016? Uh, there are a lot of things that I'm happy with. Um, I was very grateful to be captain. Um, I was very grateful to be a part of that team. Uh, I was an awesome team. Um, I was very grateful to be on that uh, night relay of the 4x200 freestyle relay. Hmm. But there are other goals that I feel like I can't, can still accomplish. Um, and I don't want to be sitting on the couch a few years from now and say, what if, or if that was, um, could that have been? So, you know what? I'm going free. I'm being vulnerable and I'm giving myself the best shot I can. Um, so hopefully, I mean, if I am sitting on the couch in two years, I know that I gave it my best shot and I appreciate the journey that took me to there. Well, I mean, I wish you luck, and we're certainly going to cross paths a few times between now and then. Um, is there any websites or organizations you want to point people to? Uh, any social media? This is, uh, you know, go ahead, lay them out there, and we'll uh, we'll get them on the pod. Um, I mean, I think that anyone speaking out, I really give them a hand um, for speaking out about mental health, whether it's on your personal social media page or if it's in ESPN or the Players' Tribune or some public um, um, media. Um, But anyone out there going through something, I know that you don't always see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know I didn't see the light at the the end of the tunnel, but it is there. Um, Stay strong. Please reach out to someone. And a uh, foundation that's close to me is uh, my cousin's uh, foundation, which is the April T. Boshin Memorial Foundation. Uh, it's a nonprofit that seeks um, to honor uh, April, uh, okay. April's memory. And it awards yearly scholarships um, and provides educational resources on mental health awareness. Okay. And where can people find you on social media if you're uh, still out there? I'm still there. Um, A.R. Schmitty. So A-R-S-C-H-M-I-T-T-Y. And okay. that's all my social media. All right. Well, thanks once again, Allison. And uh, I look forward to uh, touching base with you in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening to Kick Set with USA Swimming. Check out www.usaswimming.org slash kickset for more episodes and add kickset to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes.